0: base runs, a little bit of money. I looked, on. I don't, I don't think you'll find one for less than a thousand. But I'll look.
1: Let's stand this evening. Those that are joining us online, welcome to church this evening. I know some are sick, uh, some are under the weather, and uh, some are probably not here due to the weather as well. So let's uh, stand in worship Uh, this evening. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church that says, I'll have a new life. Let's worship the Lord together.
0: continue to be with us and help us, Lord. You've done a wonderful job today. Everything that's been going on, Lord, has been touching to our souls. Help us, Lord, to embrace you more, to praise you more, and to live, Lord, according to your precepts. For we ask in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.
1: Remain Standing, let's sing today. Come, now is the time to worship. Father, I pray for every heart and life that's represented in this place today. You would speak to us today. Lord, I pray that you would let the words of our mouths, God, be acceptable and pleasing as an aroma of worship to you today. Father, for those that are not here for whatever reason, Lord, I pray that you would be with them today. Be with those that are sick in body. God, we are going to inhabit, we pray that you inhabit the praises of your people. Though that it may be small in number, God, we know that you are still in our midst today. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. You may be seated tonight. You may not even know this song. Uh, It's it's very old. It's not even going to be in the system, probably. But I've had this song on my heart uh, all day, and it just says simply this.
2: Well, bigger than all my problems, bigger than any.
1: your spiritual blessings and one of those horns it talks about the spirit of lack and that the enemy wants you to feel like that god doesn't have enough resources to provide for you or to provide for your family or provide for your needs but uh i was thinking this week as i was preparing the final touches for this week's message and my mind just constantly went back to and i'm not going to sing it again guys but I, I, I literally just my mind immediately went to that song just the main phrase of that song where He literally, the the writer just says, he's bigger than all my problems. He's bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. And I thought about that. No matter how big the enemy promotes whatever it is in our lives, no matter how big and it seems, God's bigger than all of it. He's bigger than COVID. He's bigger than nursing homes. He's bigger than medical diagnosis. He's bigger than financial crisis. He's bigger than people that are battling sickness and body he's bigger than cancer he's bigger than anything we can think or comprehend god's bigger than that today and so i just want that i just wanted to sing i was just wanted to sing that chorus tonight just as a reminder before we uh segue into the message today god is bigger no matter what you face no matter what we go through those watching online or those in house no matter what we must remember we serve a god that is bigger than anything tonight If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 18. The book of Proverbs, chapter 18. We're going to pick up next, part two of this series on the four horns that stop your spiritual blessings. Proverbs, chapter 18, and verse number 21 is where we will pick up today. Once you have it in your Bibles, uh, you can stand for the reading of God's Word don't have your Bibles, not a problem. You can follow along on the screens. It will be on the screens to my right, to my left as well, that you may follow along today. saying so if you'll give me just a little bit of uh, on this fader of this uh, headset for me, I'd appreciate it so much there as well. Thank you so much. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love of it shall eat the fruit thereof. Out of the same mouth, James says this, proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me to convey the word of the Lord today. Not my words, not my speech, but your word and your speech be exemplified in this house tonight. Those watching online or those streaming Uh, at home or wherever, and those that are in house, let the word of the Lord speak to their heart today. I will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. Bless the hearer, but also likewise the doer of the word thereof. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Last week we began talking about the four horns that stop the blessings of God. And these are the horns that the enemy will place in our lives to derail us or distract us or confuse us on our journey of faith. One of the things I've learned just in uh, studying and, and over the years and different things, uh, and I, I didn't uh, pick just a ram or a, or a billy goat uh, for, for no reason, uh, there's a distinct reason Because rams, or or goats like that, but we're going to focus more on the term ram. Ram, literally they get their name ram because of what they do. They ram things. They take their head, they put it down, and over and over again they'll hit walls, they'll hit wood, they'll hit whatever object, they just keep hitting it. Over and over and over again. They want to bruise it, they want to hurt it, they want to do everything. Sometimes they will literally keep doing it to the point they'll knock themselves unconscious. That's stubborn when they would just keep doing it. In fact, one of my all-time favorite is uh, animals, uh, I don't really want one of these, but I think they're the coolest things, are the fainting goats. You ever seen those things? Those things are incredible. That goat just being meh, right out there, over there, meh, out there, and all of a sudden a loud noise, bloop, and just drops to the ground. You're like, how in the world did it just do that? A few minutes later, it'll get back up, meh, meh, and pow! Yeah, just dropped right back down. It's like instantaneous falling. I mean, it's just incredible. The reality of it is these rams, they will keep ramming themselves to the point that they literally knock themselves unconscious or 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 to the point of, of not being able to function properly, almost like concussion-like symptoms. But sometimes that's just how the devil is to the child of God. Sometimes the devil just, he's relentless. He doesn't stop. Just when you think you've got a reprieve, just when you think you've got basically a Uh, the ability to catch your breath for a second. Just when you think, "Well, I just came over that mountain, I just came over that valley, I just got out of this obstacle, just when you think, whew, I'm glad that's over, he comes with another thing, he comes with another attack, He, he sends something else. Has anybody ever had where you thought you just got over something before you could blink, it started again, and you're like, Lord, how long before I get a little bit of a break here? It just seems like the more and more I go, the worse it gets. I'm the only one that's been like that. Okay, that's great. I'm glad I'm the only one that's had to do with that. Remember, I told you this morning, if the devil ain't fighting you, he ain't afraid of you. So just remember that. The point to be made, though, is there's been many times in my life I thought, Lord, if I could just get five minutes of just no chaos, just could you help me out? Because it seemed like every time I would get one problem solved or God would help me get one problem solved. Every time I got through one obstacle or I got through one situation, soon as I got past it, it was like boom—the devil had another one waiting for me right there. It's like I couldn't get past it. And the reality of it is, the devil's relentless. He doesn't care. He—he's not concerned about your well-being. He's not concerned about how how you feel. He's—he's he's relentless in his all-out arsenal and attack and pursuit to destroy the foundations and the kingdom of God. He doesn't care about anything else than to see God, God's people, and the kingdom of God, and the church of the living God to be ultimately destroyed by His hands. That's all he's concerned about. He cares about nothing else. Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I want to let you know this evening, and you have heard me preach. I am not a very... uh, I don't really... uh, cut back, or, 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 or sugar coat, maybe that's a good word. Uh, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, when we talked about, are you salt? Are you a little salty? The salt and sugar look the same until you taste them. You could almost think they're the same thing if you're not careful, and you wouldn't know, but they have two different elements of what happens to them when you do it. You don't want to put salt in tea. You won't be drinking it very long, but you also probably don't want to put sugar you know, on you know something that needs salt, because it might not taste the same when you put sugar on something that's supposed to be salty. And, and, uh, And so I I shared that with you, but I want you to understand, listen to me carefully. I'm not here tonight, I'm not going to be preaching on pro-vaccines, not-vaccines, pro-mask, pro-not-mask. That's between you and God. You listen to what I'm about to say very carefully. If you took the vaccine, God bless you. If you didn't take the vaccine, God bless you. If you wear a mask, God bless you. If you don't wear a mask, God bless you. Because I have learned very quickly... Vaccine, not vaccine, mask or not mask, everybody is susceptible to COVID. It's that simple. You, you, I don't care if it's Delta, American Airlines, Southwest, or JetBlue strand that you got. Whatever airline that you got of Delta, of COVID, whatever one you're flying this week, you're still susceptible. That vaccine does not cover all major airlines. I just want to let you know that. In fact, I, I slept through most of it, but I was watching a video today. I got the gist of it, but I slept through the rest of it. Of, of, of them talking about the strands and things and how these vaccines are made and how that even the nomenclature, even in the, the CDC's own nomenclature that they're not telling you in their, their uh, 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 writings of the, what constitutes vaccines and emergency, that right now that if you actually were able to get a copy, hands-on this was from an immunologist and a, uh, uh, a viral uh, doctor who, who specialized in this. He studied at Johns Hopkins and all these major places. He says that actually in the CDC guidelines, there is a thing that if you followed what the guidelines are for vaccines, that literally the vaccine we're taking right now would not qualify as a vaccine. It's that simple. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to take it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is we're living in a day and an hour where the enemy is on an all-out pursuit to do whatever he can to confuse people. This is nothing more than to cause disruption and confusion in, in the kingdom of God. Because I have never in my lifetime, now I'm sure some of you have been older and wiser than me. You have been here longer than I have. But I have never in my lifetime that I can remember since, since, since I've been born ever seen so much chaos and disunity among people than it is right now. I've almost, now you listen carefully before I get censored and everybody, I would almost say that in my lifetime this is the closest thing that I have ever seen to racial tension all the way that would lead to the time of segregation. We're, we're about as close as we've ever got to what it was like during segregation-ish times. That's what I'm, I'm serious. I went to college 2007, 6 through 2009, 2006 to 2009, my best friends were of other complexities of skin tone. I traveled on a bus with them all the time. I played piano for them. I shared hotel rooms with them. You can't tell me that blacks and whites and Asians and Filipinos can't all get together. I proved that's possible. It can be done, but that's not what they want you to do. They don't want you to love your brother who's an African-American or who's Chinese or Filipino or Hispanic. They don't want you to love them because the Bible said God is not the author of confusion. So as long as the devil can keep confusion going, then we obviously know it's not of God. Anything that is of that much chaos does not mean automatically means it did not come from God. God is not the author of confusion. Period. This world, you know, you can take this and leave this for what it's worth. If you believe Dr. Fauci, Fauci, Fakey, whatever his name is this week, then believe it. If you want to believe what CNN tells you, Fox News tells you, then believe it. But I'm here to tell you that all of them aren't telling you the truth. They tell you what they want you to hear to promote their agenda. That simple. The problem is the Bible says that a judgment has to begin in God's house before it can begin anywhere else. So if the world right now is walking in utter confusion, they're walking in pandemonium and chaos, there's nowhere to find truth. I'm telling you tonight, those watching online and those sitting in the house, that we must understand we have truth. I can't explain to you what's going on in Washington. I can't explain to you what's going on in Congress and the House of Representatives. I can't explain to you what Dr. Fauci sees in some scientific journal that he's reading. I can't explain to you what CNN and ABC and MSNBC and Fox News are telling you. But I can tell you one thing: no matter how much chaos is going on in the world, and no matter how much fake news is going on around us, no matter how much confused you may be today, I'm telling you there is one book that has never been proven to be a lie. There's one book that's. Never never told a false story, there is one book that's the ultimate guideline and guidebook of truth. If people would get their face off of Facebook and put their face back in the book, they might find that they can find the author of truth and find out what's going on in this world. But the problem is we're worried about what somebody said on social media and who tweeted this and who put a post on Facebook about that. Get off Facebook, put your face in the book, and hear from God. That's the only thing's gonna change this world. Is God. That's it. God is gonna change it. But the devil, he's relentless. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you are destroyed. He doesn't care if your family's destroyed. He doesn't care if your marriage falls apart. The devil doesn't care if your child gets strung out on drugs. The devil doesn't care if your child becomes a drunk. The devil doesn't care if you fall away from your first love like the church of Laodicea. The devil doesn't care about your well-being. He cares about making sure you don't go to heaven. That's all he cares about. And he is using anything and everything that will allow him to use them to do his dirty work tongue is the most powerful muscle known to mankind. In fact, the book of James tells us it's the hardest thing to tame. If you're not careful, the Bible says you need to learn to bridle your tongue. It is so hard to tame it. I read you in our reading today, the tongue is powerful. It can bless somebody, but in the same breath it can curse somebody out. Pastor Tommy told you this morning about Peter and how Peter was God in the garden, pulling out swords. I'll die for you, Jesus. They ain't taking you, Jesus. I'll kill them all right now. It might be all. There is a hundred men standing in this garden that are trained militia, got every uh, uh, state of the art of the day at that particular time. The Romans of the day, at that point in time, the Romans of the day were the most uh, uh, advanced of all warfare of all. That's why they had conquered at that point up until uh, later when Greece came to power. The Romans had conquered most of the world because they were the most advanced in warfare. They had mastered the art of torture, crucifix. They had mastered the art of beatings. They knew just how to beat you To one more lash would kill you, but yet still let you live enough just to be in that much pain. They had mastered the art of what it meant to be a military strategist. And there in the garden, old fisherman Peter thinks he's going to take on an entire army that has been trained for years for this job. I got you, Jesus. I got your back, Jesus. In less than 12 hours, about 8 or so hours, he goes from I got your back, Jesus, to cussing Jesus' name. That quick. If Peter, who had walked three and a half years, hand in hand with the Son of God, could curse Jesus that quick, imagine how hard it is for the world today to quickly turn their back on Jesus again. I would take it a step further. The church. Jesus is coming in on a Thursday afternoon. Friday. Thursday afternoon, Friday morning time period, somewhere in that window. Riding through the streets of Jerusalem on the back of a brand new baby colt. Crowds lining the streets. I know it's not Easter, but you know Easter's all year long. We still celebrate Jesus all year long. He's riding on the streets, Brother James. The Bible said that men started taking their coats off, their nice coats. I mean, you gotta think about it. Their, their coats and all the stuff that they wore, these were, those were literally like the equivalent today of like our suit jackets or, or our nice clothes. They were taking their nice clothes off and throwing them on a dusty, dirty road for a donkey to tread on top of it just because Jesus was on the back of the coal. They found palm branches. And began to wave them. Saying things like this. Blessed is he. Who comes. In the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he. Who comes. In the name of the Lord. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. In the Judeo-Christian world. Less than a week. By Wednesday afternoon. Jesus has his supper with the disciples. Or when Thursday Thursday evening he heads out to pray in the garden. He has a trial all night through that Thursday night into Friday. By that Friday Saturday window or excuse me Thursday night, Thursday and Friday window, Sister Beulah, they're standing outside of the portorium of Pilate. Same church that just a week ago on Sunday morning Woo, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're having church. Less than a week. They didn't even got back to next Sunday morning church. That quick. They forgot what they were shouting about at church on Sunday morning. They forgot what the pastor preached on Sunday morning. They forgot what it felt when they were in the altar and God moved on their life. They forgot when the Holy Spirit fell down and touched their body. They forgot what Jesus told them or what the, the miracle Jesus provided for them in the altar. With less than a week, they had just been to church on Sunday. And by Thursday, crucify Him. Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Him. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The devil got involved often heard it said that an idle mind and idle hands are the devil's playground. That's where he likes to work. There's been thousands of books written things like Battlefield of the Mind and other things talking about controlling your thoughts. Let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind to keep your mind sharp with Jesus. Think about it. in today's society it'd be like this. You come to church this morning got a touch from God. God moved blessed your life. And by Thursday, you have backslidden to the point that you don't even want to know anything about God. That's how quickly that changed. Think about that. Now, I'm not here. You're going to say, oh, here he goes on his little witch hunt to preach about church attendance. No, I'll just let Hebrews, the Bible says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as in the manner of some, but come together for for the purpose of exaltation and to encourage one another. That's the Bible, not me. You have to take that up with God. I had nothing to do with that. But I will say this. You know why I like Sunday night church? Because I know that if I just go Sunday morning, i got a long week ahead of me. And I need all of God I can get to get through that week. So I like Sunday night church. Some people, I've heard people say, well, why would you do Wednesday night for just 12 people, for just 10 people, for just 5 people? I'll tell you what. Because for those 5 people, they needed a pick me up just to make sure they can get back to Sunday morning. That's what they were there for. They made it through Monday and Tuesday but they needed, and, and even part of the day, Wednesday, but they came on Wednesday night because they said, Pastor, look, I know I still got Thursday, Friday, Saturday to go, and I'm not so sure if I don't have a little bit, if I don't stop at the fueling station and get and top off my gas a little bit, I might run out of gas before the end of this week. So I needed a little fill up so that I can make sure I get back to church on Sunday. Prime example. You know the number one thing that makes Brianna mad with me? I know she's here to church, so I'll go ahead and say it. It's not because I have a short fuse. It's not because I get agitated. I would ask her to tell you, but she, she'll she get embarrassed and she won't want to tell you. She hates the fact that I don't fill up my gas tank all the time. She hates that. I'll be driving along. I'll be driving along. I'll be driving along. And I'm in a hurry. And I realize, oh, man, my gas is out. But I really need to get somewhere. And so I put $20 in and get back on the road and go. I just need to get on. I got things to do. I got to go. I just get on the road and I go. And she will sit in that car. And she'll be like, you only put $20. You're the only person I've ever met in my life. You stop more at a gas station than the people who work at the gas station. It looks like people think you work the gas station you go so much. You're always there, all the time, and like every other day. You're like, yeah, sure you do. you got to stop and get gas, don't you? Yeah, I do, actually. I have gas. But as comical as that is, that's what a lot of people don't realize about their spiritual journey. You, you'll run your tank out low spiritually if you don't come from time to time and get filled back up. You'll be going as fast 100 miles an hour on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, but if you're not careful, you may not make it back to Sunday before you run out of gas and you start having trouble in the car. And I'm not talking about the physical car. I'm talking about the spiritual man. You, You keep running, you keep running, but if you never come back and let the gas be filled back up and let the Spirit of the Lord come and fill you up, eventually you're going to run on E and your spiritual man is going to start having complications. Hello? See, four horns that stop your spiritual blessings. I told you last week one of them was the spirit of lack. The devil wants to tell you God's now have enough resources. God can't provide. God can't do it. I just sang it to you tonight. Bigger than all my problems. Bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can and cannot see. Bigger than my giants. Bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can. Because God is bigger. I, the Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says that... That, uh, that God never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. The Bible tells me God's got an unlimited, the Bible actually says my God shall supply all, not some, not occasionally, not a few, not when they just don't have anything else to do and he, he got his stimulus check and he made sure that he paid his bills first and after God got a stimulus check he realized he could give me a little bit his way. God doesn't work on, let me just go ahead and stop right here, God doesn't work on stimulus plans. God doesn't need a stimulus plan because God doesn't have to go to the bank and ask, you got enough money to validate this. God's got enough resources. He doesn't need man's stimulus to get him going. God knows exactly how much he got. He's got it all. That's why he says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What are those riches? Cattle on a thousand hills. He's got an unlimited supply. God's got the resources. We just have to know how to get the resources. I've often told people, you don't ever walk into Navy Federal or First Citizens or Heritage Trust. Well, it's something else now. I don't, even, Heritage Trust. I don't even know what they call it now. Rev Credit or something like that. Uh, whatever it may be, you don't go to the bank. Brother Robert, you've worked all these years. You're retired. Probably going to go back to work again because, you know, I know you You don't stay retired very long. You know what retired is? It just means I'm tired again. Retired. After he gets done, after he gets enough sleep, he doesn't want to be retired anymore. So he goes back to work. It's just being retired. That's all it is. But he... If he'd ever put money in the bank, he walks up to, you know, whatever his bank of choice is, walks in and says, I'd like to draw $20 out. And they say, okay, give me your account number. I don't have one. Okay, give me your name. I don't remember it. Give me your name, Robert. Okay, Robert, give me your address. And he gives him the address. I'll show you in this system. I know, but I want $20 out. Yes, sir, but you're not, you don't bank with us. Yeah, I understand all that, but I need $20. bucks. they are going to just... Go to somebody else's account grab him $20 and hand it to him? No. But you know that's how we do God. We don't put anything in the deposits of heaven, but we expect God to let us make withdrawals in something we've never deposited in. We ask God, God, I want you to do this. God, I want you to do that. God, I want, I want, I want, I want. But nobody's actually put any deposits in the account to be able to make sure there's enough to withdraw from God. See, everybody, there's a lot of people in the world. Pastor, I wish you'd pray for this. And, Pastor, I used to pray. And I do. I do. Don't misunderstand me. Don't think I'm like, okay, I, whatever. I do pray for it. But then I often think you expect God to let you have a withdrawal from heaven, and you can't even put one deposit in Him, in His account. You can't come to church one time. You can't pray one time for yourself or for whatever. You can't read your Bible one day. I didn't even ask people to read it for a week. One day. You can't pray one time. You can't fast one time. You can't go to church one time in the whole week. you got six days, seven days. Out of those seven days, you can't give God two hours of one of them. I'm not even saying Sunday night or Wednesday, though I think you should. You can't give God 10 to 12 on Sunday morning. You can't give God two hours of a week. But you want God to let you make a withdrawal. And you can't even deposit anything in the account. I told you about Moses and how he said he lacked things, but the other horn on the other side, that was one side of your your life, the other side, the other hip, is the spirit of limitation. I wish that I could say to the people of God tonight online and in-house that this is not really a big problem, but I'm telling you more people struggle with this horn, if you will, than most of the any other horns that I'll talk about. The spirit of lack, most people kind of get past that, they'll at least pray and hope God does something. But some people struggle understanding limitations. See, here's the problem. See if you know this scripture. I can do. Anybody? Well, I should asked this. Somebody would be done right? Does ever? Who in here has ten fingers? Yeah, I mean, I mean, somebody might have one cut off, but I like got ten. Okay. Watch. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Every time you brush your teeth, every time you buckle your pants, every time you button a shirt, every time you turn the ignition of a car key, every time you eat your fruity pebbles and you sit there in your Scooby-Doo pajama pants and got corn rollers still in your hair, and you grab that spoon and you put it up to your mouth and you chewed, holding the bowl this way, and it's like looking like you're never gonna have another bowl of cereal again in your life. Every time you grab a book, every time you shake someone's hand, but your other hand's carrying your Bible or your purse. Everything you do, and you go home tonight and you pull the covers back of your bed, you lay down in it, and you take both hands and you pull the cover up there, and you look like a Brand new caterpillar trying to wrap up in a cocoon so in the morning you look like a butterfly but in the fact you turn out looking like a raccoon instead of a butterfly because everything's just stuck to your face from the drool that you had on your pillow all night. Come on somebody, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. You know it. That's, that was. That, you know it's true. You grab that comfort with those ten fingers. Everything you did all day today, when you cooked dinner for your family, when you put your shoes on and tied them, when you got up this morning and put your contacts in, Well, for some of you, when you got up, put your teeth in, I guess. I don't know. Maybe some of you had to put your teeth in. I'm not sure. But when you've done all that today, everything you've done today, if your hands touched anything today to do it, there's only one way you were able to do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's only one way you did it because God did it through you. But people don't understand limitations. I understand. Those of you that are not here the earlier for band practice, you will understand this, but I will explain it to you. So we were talking about kids' names, and they were going through people's babies' names and who had names of this, that, and the other. And Brother Randy named off like four or five different names. I recognized two of them. They sounded like gun names. But other ones I didn't know. in my stupidity, I was like, hey, what was those other two names you were throwing out there? He was like, they were like names of guns. I was like, what What do you mean names of guns? He was like, these are like big, famous, gun-producing. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know the only thing I know how to do is shoot hurt myself I wouldn't be able to do nothing with any gun I don't know nothing about gun. we target practice I'm like man I don't know how to do this I don't know nothing about that stuff I mean I just over the last year and a half understand what nine millimeters stood for I could now understand it makes sense duh I didn't know what it meant like that I was like wait well, why does it got to be nine mil? yeah I don't understand you know I thought that was some kind of plastic you put outside that you could grow plants in like nine mil- I did not know I don't know what that was and and he was talking about that. I didn't know that. But I understand my limitation. I understand. If we go going hunting, well, it's hunting because actually there is a G on the end of that word, but ain't nobody ever pronounced it. It's like we just let that G just go away. It's hunting. I don't, I've never understood that. Like English language, we just drop that word, ain't, hunting, fishing. Where did G go? He just, gone, fishing. Like, where? I? gone fishing. Like, whatever. But I understand this past week, Brother Miriam. A week ago, saw a buck, had the velvet still on it. This week wasn't. Pow! Took care of him real quick. I could have walked out there, Br- Brantley of all people. Brantley got a bigger deer than his sister ever got so far, which is kind of funny and sad at the same time. But he shot a long deer. I could have sat out there all day. I could have scoped that joker. And I promise y'all, I'd have missed him. Guaranteed. I know my limitations. You expect me to be the nomad hunter that's going to go out there and provide you deer meat, you're going to starve. You better pray God sends quail because you're going to be hungry. You better hope manna falls down and quail comes and we're starving. we fasting. We, we have church. We're fasting. I'll go to Publix and buy you chicken. That's what I'll do. I mean, that's all I got. The only kind of hunting I do is I hunt the cabinets and I hunt the grocery store. That's what I hunt. That's And if they ain't got it, I'm in trouble. But I understand my limitations. But some people don't. You know what? One thing that's sad is that some people don't realize that they don't have to be able to do everything. They just know how to admit when they don't know how to do it. You know what annoys me more than anything else in the world? Somebody who thinks they know how to do something, really don't know how to do it, and then tear it up, and i got to fix what they don't know how to do. For example, computer technicians. I call because the computer's acting up. Some guy from some other country who doesn't speak English but somehow is answering the phone for the United States Customer Service Department. Yet understand that. You work for a United States-based Internet service provider, but you don't speak English. That makes no sense. But that's okay. God gave me the spirit of interpretation. I'm a Pentecostal, so I'll just start making up what I think they said. And i start asking questions. But the guy gets on there. Thank you for calling. To the support. There's something I can do with your computer. I was like. Yeah, I think you said my computer's broke. Yes, it is. Uh, next question, please. I don't know what you just said. But as he goes through and he starts doing it, I understand. And he does. And there's been many times they do it, they do it, they do it. He's like, I hope they, I hope you were satisfied with your service today, and I hope you will leave us a good review. Give you a callback number, and I hope you will give us a good review. Within 10 minutes, I get off the phone, and the thing does something stupid again, and I don't know what happened. You know what that does to my to my to my radar? It boils me. I just called you to fix this problem and all you've done is just made this problem worse. Now I don't even know how to get back in. The, you've changed my password. You've locked my screen up. You've done everything else. Now I'm ready to take a baseball bat to the computer and try to find you in wherever country you're living in and I want to wring your neck and say buy me another computer. Because I understand, I cannot stand people who think they know all the answers. It's okay to say I don't know. It's okay to say I'll have to ask. It's okay to say, "Let me find that out for you." I'm not sure. That's not making you an idiot. That means you're smart enough to realize you have limitations. But it's one of the things that breaks my heart. Is spiritually speaking, there are people who don't understand their limitations. You got these people that come to church. They act like they're the most saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled man. They make you think that they are the they are the closest thing. To the Virgin Mary they' ever I mean they are so tight with God now some people they really got the goods but I've met some people man they, they they wanted you to know how bad they were at, at a, I mean like how good like and I say bad in a, in a good term. like how awesome of a Christian they were many times I sat there and I thought you know what you're not if you're not careful you're going to be so heavenly minded that you're going to be no earthly good for the kingdom because of the way you're acting right now I understand I don't know how to fix cancer I understand that. I understand that when I have a migraine headache and I take Excedrin and it doesn't do anything, there ain't nothing I can do other than go to the doctor. But there's, I'm I'm limited. I understand that if I'm cooking dinner and the lights go out and the electricity goes out and everything goes out, I understand that my dinner is probably not going to come to pass. I understand that. Spiritually, though, I also understand there are things in my abilities as a human being I cannot fix, I cannot control, and I cannot handle outside of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. The only way we talk about this spirit of limitation, the devil wants you to think that you are limited in terms of spiritually speaking, you're limited. In some tokens, in some respects, he's right. We are limited. There are things I cannot do, but I can do all things through. You're getting it. There are things I can't do, but while the devil tries to remind each and every one of us, you can't do that, you can't teach a class, you can't pray, you can't play an instrument, you can't sing, you're not qualified for this, you're not gifted enough. While he tells me that, he's right. I'm not good enough for that. I'm not qualified enough for that. I'm not as eloquent as someone else for that. I understand that. But while he's right about that, what he fails to recognize is I may not be in my own ability, but I am through his ability. God can take my natural, put his super in, and he makes it supernatural like that instantly. I know I can't play the bass like Brother Dennis or the guitar like Brother Randy. I know that one day when I grow up, I learn what it really means to be able to play the piano that I'll sound like Miss Carol one day. I understand that. Because Miss Carol has mastered the art of actually knowing what's on the piece of paper and playing what's on there. I have mastered the art of I just make it up and don't really care what's on that piece of paper because I don't know what's there. So I just make up what I think it's there. The band's all the time looking at me like, what did he just play? I'm like, I don't know what I played either, but try to find it. I don't know what it was. I don't know that I recorded. I understand that. But I've also come to understand this. I never wanted to do this job in my life. I never wanted to be a preacher. In fact, I despised being a preacher. In fact, I told my parents growing up that it, well, I said it sort of like this. I pretty much told them that you know where it would freeze over before I ever became a preacher. Now, I wasn't cursing. I was just telling you that's, that's about how bad it's got to be. for. I was like, I lived in a preacher's house. <laughs> I, I heard my dad come home from deacon's meetings. and <laughs> I've heard people talk to him after church on Sunday morning coming out the back door. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen my mom bite her lip many a time. And I thought, girl, you not know you saved because you already took care of that right now. And I've seen that. I've seen it all. And I thought, and thank God, that ain't happening here. Huh. I'ma be a good faithful piano player at the church. I'ma work a nine to five job. I'ma be like when the church service is over, I'ma shake the preacher's hand and be like, sucks to be you, and walk out the door. That was gonna be my job, really. I went to college, gonna be a psychologist, counselor. <laughs> the joke's on me <laughs> I tell people all the time don't tell God what you're gonna do because <laughs> you might find out he'll tell you what he's gonna do <laughs> instead. So here's what happened. I know I, when I went to college I started doing this I, I you know I asked my dad I asked other preachers I started learning and you know, like this morning Pastor Tommy's preaching you know he, he is still young in his pulpit ministry and we're still working. Uh, through with all of those things and, and, and just encouraging him and the, his hermeneutical and, and his structure and delivery platform and all that kind of stuff. And I remember what those days were like. In fact, I told him at lunch last week, I said, Man, I had to have somebody give me a chance for the first time. I mean, there, somebody had to eventually let me preach. I said, and It was horrible. <laughs> I feel bad for that guy. I should have paid him instead of paying me to come to his church. It was horrible. He deserved for me to pay to come to church. <laughs> it's bad. But I understood something over the years, and even to today, I understand something. Most people don't know this. I don't like public speaking. I don't like it. I get real nervous in front of crowds. I literally start getting nauseous when I have to play in front of people. The piano. I can play all day at my house. All day long. But you put me in front of a crowd, I start clamming up. My hands get sweaty. I get nervous. Many times I have tried myself to. Back out, camp meetings and other things. I not asked me to play. I'm, oh no 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 no! I can't. Oh no no! I can't do that. People be watching. People see me on online. Back then they that was before we had cameras. Back then they would stream that stuff. I was like I can't do that. I can't. I can't. I can't. I know. I can't do that. I remember taking a public speaking class in college, and I remember I stood there and I was like, oh jeez. I remember the teacher told us one of the best things to do. I didn't say this. This is what my teacher said, y'all. This is her. She said, "If you ever get nervous, just look out in the crowd and imagine you're seeing everyone in their underwear, and you'll feel better." That was her advice. I tried that one time, but it didn't make me feel better because there were some people I didn't want to envision that of. It did not help me at all. So, for all of you, in case you're wondering, I've never envisioned that for y'all when I'm here. I just want y'all to I want to clarify that right now. But I remember the first time I had to give a public speech, I stood there behind the pulpit or behind the lectern. And she gave you a topic that you had to prepare for to, to give a persuasive speech, an argumentative speech, a, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was holding that thing tight as I could tell it. I was ready to be done. Then she did what every public speaker just is so thankful for teachers to do. When you're finished, she asked the class, is there any questions you'd like to ask our speaker today? Yeah, how about leave me alone and let me go back to my desk and don't ever talk to me again and just let me fail out this class and find another class. I remember sitting there like that. And then I thought, well, you know, in psychology, the reason I want to be a counselor, you know what counselors get to do? (laughs) One-on-one. You come in, I talk to you, you talk to me, we talk together. It's not a big crowd. I can do this. (laughs) Joke's on me. Now I preach and talk for everybody. I get nervous. I understood going into the ministry. I understood that there were going to be days I was going to be scared. You know, preaching at these community revivals and preaching at other churches, boy, that, that oh, man, I can't tell you. I don't eat the whole entire day before I go preach at those things. If I go preach in the church, I don't eat the day any time beforehand I because I'm so sick to my stomach. I'm so nervous. I'm scared to death. They come after the church, oh, you know, you just make it look so easy. I'm thinking I'm about to throw up. You better back up. I'm about to ruin your suit. <laughs> you don't know me. But because I understood that I'm limited. But, Brother James, when I realized God called me to do what I do, Philippians 4.13 became the way I had to do it. I had to understand, I can't do that. I will freak out. So every morning, Brother Randy and them know this because they see it. Most of you don't even know this. But I teach a Sunday school class back here with all these teenagers that I'm still wondering why the Lord I'm doing. My like, God, is this punishment for me rebelling? What, what have I done? But I leave out of that class at 1040. And I walk up front and kids go out there and they do all your signs and all that stuff. And I go sit in my office. And every Sunday morning I sit there and I think, God, I can't do this. Can't do this. There's going to be people out there today that their lives, their soul hangs in the balance. Lord, this is a weight I can't carry. God, I can't I can't do I can't do this. This is pressure. You're talking about men and women that are sitting in church, they're expecting me to give them a word from you. God, this is pressure. What if I mess up? What if I don't give them the right words? Well, what if I get tongue-tied? What if I, even though I pray, God, hide me behind the cross and take a coal from the altar. Why well, I say all the, the right words, if you will. God, what if I don't convey it clearly? What if I mess it up? What am I going to do? What if somebody leaves out of here and that was their chance and I botched it? I can't do it. And every Sunday morning I tell myself, but I can do all things. Christ he strengthens me. I put this battery pack on. Sometimes I feel like a superhero coming out. Other times I feel like a wimp coming out that door. I put my little battery powered charging device on my hip like I'm some cool special dude that has like superpowers. I put all, I harness myself up, look like I'm corded up, getting ready to do some kind of special mission for the CIA. I put my jacket on. I walk out the door, put a smile on. I come out the door and ready to go, but you don't know God and I already had a 15-minute conversation. I can't do this. I can't do this. What I've come to remind you, and, and I'll, I'll talk about these other ones next week. What i come to remind you tonight, those watching online and in the house, we all have limitations that we are very, you know, I, 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 I think I have over the last two years have enough liberty to share this. I'm going to put Ms. Sherry slightly on the hot seat for just a moment. Uh, I, I like to think that for the last two years I've, I've, I've earned this right slightly. If not, uh, I'll buy her lunch because it's my fault uh, for doing it. But Sister Sherry never wanted to be the minister of music. That was not how her calling came about to being what she does today. Yeah, everybody sees her up here singing, but that was, not, that was not the original plan. In fact, this is how it really went down. <laughs> well, no divine calling, Damascus Road, oh, experience. No, Sister Art said, here's a mic. <laughs> That's how it went down. Literally, they're having VBS one year. Miss Sherry was just helping out, and Sister Art asked her to help with the music for VBS, etc. And she was like, Oh, yeah, sure, I'll help, you know, trying to do a VBS when her and Pastor Art were the pastors. very next week, basically, in a nutshell, Sister Art is like, Aren't y'all so glad for our new minister of music that we've got here leading us every Sunday worship? And Sister Sherry's like, Who, Who's she talking about? I, like, I know she ain't talking about me. <laughs> Devil is alive. But she's been faithful to that post of duty. Sister Sherry has said multiple times to me, in band practice, outside of band practice, standing in her mother's room at hospitals and nursing homes, she has said multiple times, Pastor, I know I'm not the best singer there ever was. Boy, I wasn't my calling. I know there's people out there that are gifted and talented and all that stuff. You know, I, I know there are people out there like that. But I, 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 at the time, the church needed someone, and I filled in the gap. And you know what? You know what she's really saying. I understand. I had limitations but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have limitations, but God. And every Sunday she stands, I right hear her, and then now her granddaughter sings with her and got all these other people that help her out and all this kinds of stuff. I will be the first to tell you. You ask this lady right here, she'll tell you that she's terrified to play in front of people. I've tried to get her to play for senior adult teen talent. I'm not teen talent, senior adult talent for the Church of God every year because she would went hands down and she tells me every time, no, that easily, just no. I want the trophy, lady. I want to win. You know, I'm just kidding. No, I really want the trophy, but I understand. But she gets terrified. But she sits there. Brother Randy says all the time, Pastor, if you pray, I'd love for you to pray in a guitar player, then I can come off the guitar. No, you stay there. Uh, You know, Brother Dennis has said before, man, that guy, he's really good. He's really good. He's really good. Yeah, but you know what? He's, He's not the man for our church. He's got his own thing. You're the man for our church. You stay there. Brother Larry's told me many times, Pastor. I, I just play. I, I'm not. I don't know how to write music and do all that stuff for drums. I was like, I don't care. You know, you play for God. Sit there. See, at the end of the day, this entire band, all, all of them. If you ask any of them, they'll tell you, I'm not the best. I'm not the most gifted. I'm not the most talented. But when they all start playing together, you go back and listen to our Facebook feeds. When they all start playing together, we may not all be the best, but we sound pretty doggone good for God. Not because we're the best, but because we do it for God. And it does not matter. We do it for God. When she plays, he plays, they play, it's for God. No matter what you go through this week, no matter what you face this week, you have to understand, even if you feel like you cannot do it, that's a good thing. You can't. But he can. Pastor, I don't think I can get up and go to work this week. Well, you also can be without a job and not have an income too, but you normally get up and go so that you still make the bills and pay your pay. There are times you're going to feel like you can't, and the devil's going to tell you you can't. The devil's going to tell you, well, God can't heal you. God can't save you. God can't deliver you. God can't restore your home. God can't bless you with a better job. God can't. God can't. God can't. God can't. And you tell him, you know what? You're right. I can't, but God can. I can't fix it, but God can. I'll finish up with this as Mrs Carroll makes her way. God is not limited. He's limitless. You know what I love about Jesus? There is absolutely nothing, and I mean nothing, that stops Jesus. COVID doesn't stop Jesus. (laughs) Hospitals don't stop Jesus. In fact, I've heard somebody say COVID stands for this, Christ over viruses, illnesses, and diseases. That's what it stands for. Christ over viruses, illnesses, diseases. I thought about that, I was like, I kind of like that, I kind of like that, because the negative side says, you're going to die, no, Christ over viruses, illnesses, and disease, because you know what, I'm like Job, though he slay me, anybody know the rest of that, yet still, will I serve him, I'm not saying be flippant and foolish, I'm just saying, if God uses COVID, God uses pneumonia, God uses a heart attack, or God just lets me fall asleep, whenever God's ready for me, I'm ready to go, because I'm ready to go with him, I'm not going to live in fear I'm not stupid I'm not asking for it but I'm also understand God is in control God's in control I wrote my own COVID acronym for me you don't have to use it this is for me C-O-V-I-D Christ offers victory in distress. Christ offers victory. In distress. Because you know what? I can't explain what you've ever been to. But Brother James, there's been times I was in distress. I was struggling. And had it not been for God, I don't know what would have happened to me. But Christ offered victory. In distress. Christ offered it to me. And it worked. I love that limitations... Bible says that when I am weak that's when He is. Limitations. I'm weak, He's strong. Not by might nor by power but by the Spirit saith the Lord. You know what I love about Jesus? Nothing stops him. Funeral possessions come by Jesus stops funeral possessions. I mean you can't get much worse than dead. I'm, I'm, I mean dead is dead. Well that's your brother Randy's friend. He wakes up dead. We were a party the other night and he said my friend woke up dead. I was like, man, that man's a miracle. How'd he do that? I want That's like a modern-day Lazarus. how do he do that? But seriously, when you're dead, you're dead. I'm dead, dead, dead. You can look up the Greek and Hebrew and have a, a degree in biblical language. Dead still means dead. Dead. That's it. There's no way. nice way to say it. Dead's dead. Funeral possessions come by Jesus. Mamas are coming by, walking behind coffins of a son out of the city of Nain. And she's walking by, crying her eyes out. Jesus just passed by. Jesus wasn't even invited to the funeral. What a shame. Well, I tell you what, I want Jesus to come to my funeral because he doesn't make it a funeral very long. Now, I'm going to tell you all right now, somebody was up here and I was preaching their homegrown service and they woke up in the casket, we about to have another funeral because I'm the one next in the casket. I don't do that all wake-up stuff like that, but I'm just saying. But Jesus didn't even get an invite. He's just passing by. The old song says it always makes a difference. Jesus passes by. The devil trembles. The enemy flees when Jesus comes on the scene. He often shines a ray of light. The darkening clouds must fly. It always makes a difference. When Jesus passes by. Jesus is walking by. Talking to his disciples. Peter was in that group. What's up boys? Yeah, y'all remember? Blah, 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 blah in you know, South Carolina and most southern states, you know what you do when a funeral comes by, most people pull off the side of the road, put their flash on, they pull off and they respect the honor, especially, especially if it's like a, a fallen uh, officer or, or something like that, a lot of times they'll have the, the cars lined up on the street, or fire trucks, they'll have the, the, the fire trucks lined up and, and make like a bridge and they, they, they'll, they'll salute basically the, the fallen person. The army's done it, they've done the, the soldier, the, the, you know, the, with, the, his, with his gun and his boots and his hat. They do all of the the shooting and things like that, the the honors, sending off with honors. They honor their lives. Jesus walking by, he sees the funeral procession, so he kind of stops and he kind of respects the dead. But the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw the mama was upset that she had lost her son. You've got to understand in that culture that the oldest son's job responsibility was to take care of mama when mama, they didn't have nursing homes in the Bible. Now, I understand things today are a little different. We have to do what we have to do. But the firstborn, your responsibility in places like Japan, places like that, they're very limited on nursing homes. The eldest son's responsibility is to take care of mom and daddy until they're gone. But how can my firstborn take care of me when he's dead? How This is not supposed to be. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but how many people's ever looked to God metaphorically or laid in a bed or, or cried in an altar and said, God, it wasn't supposed to be like this. My child wasn't supposed to die. My husband wasn't supposed to die. My family wasn't supposed to fall apart. My child wasn't supposed to be a drunk. It wasn't supposed to be like this. She walks by crying. It wasn't supposed to be like this. The Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. Here's what he does. He stops the pallbearers. You better hope your God to do this you stop a funeral possession people are going to say some really nasty things about you you go and walk up in Shelley's service when she's doing it one day and walk up there and be like yeah I just want to interrupt this funeral for a little promo commercial people going to have some words to say to you he stops the pallbearers the child's dead doctors couldn't fix it and mama is distraught in other words mama was in distress. In distress. But Christ offers victory in distress. She's in distress. He walks up to the coffin. Coffin starts with a C and an O. Christ offers in distress. Christ steps up to the coffin. Stands right there. He didn't pray some long grandiose prayers father of the cosmos and who flung Jupiter and the stars and the sky. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. He said real simple, get up. Two words, get up. How many of your mom has ever had to just walk into the room with your dead child laying in there, won't wake up for school and fling the door open and say, get up. And you might have to go back and threaten a little more, but, but basically the word was get up or I'll come get you up, you know up boy set up mama was limited she couldn't raise the child Christ offers victory in distress so no matter what you're going through right now Christ has an answer for you he can offer you victory in distress right now in MUSC on a ventilator somewhere on the top floors up there Pastor Paul Garrett laying up there from life givers ministry battling pneumonia then got COVID then had kidney failures don't know what started what but it all just kind of compounded on each other Sister Velma Hodges goes to Pastor Benny Williams Church has got COVID Pastor Benny and Sister Doris have COVID about half the church has COVID my uncle's church my aunt, not my uncle but my aunt got COVID from somebody in church they're shut down people shut down all some of our churches, surrounding churches in this area that, that we are attached to with the Low Country Ministerial Fellowship, they've shut down multiple times, the Baptist Church, Pentecost, the Holiness Church, I mean, they've all had their little whip, if you will, their little wave. We had, one time, we had to shut down. Thankfully, God's been good to us, knocking on wood, we won't have to do it again, but but, but God's been, but, but all that's happened. I can't fix, I can't, I, I talked to Sister Susie Garrett today, I cannot fix Brother Paul Garrett, where he's at right now. I can't. Shoot, sure, I can't even go in the hospital. They won't let me even in. Because he's in that state. I can't fix Bonnie Gunn's cancer. I can't fix Phil Mahajis's COVID. I can't fix Pastor and Sister Williams's COVID. I can't do it. I'm not gifted. I'm not. Ta- I'm limited. I can't do any. Virus, not virus. Vaccine, not vaccine. I can't fix it. But I do know one thing. Christ offers victory in distress. I can't do it, but I can do all things through Christ. Strengthens me. So here's what I'm going to do tonight before we leave. I'm going to have you stand all over the house. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna have this big grandiose altar call and bring you all up here and douse you with oil and slather you down and look like I'm getting ready to fry you in a pan of grease to make you fried chicken. No, not doing that. But I have learned one thing in my lifetime that when I'm on a mountain, that means there's somebody out there in a the valley. We're not on. We're not all on the mountain at the same time. And I've also learned that when I'm in the valley, that means somebody else has just came out of a valley to get to their mountaintop. So right now, the 15 or so of us that are here, and those watching online, right now, maybe some of us are on mountains. That's great. But people like Pastor Garrett and Pastor Williams and his wife and Velma Hodges and, and, and other churches, they're in valleys. They need God. Some of them can't even pray for themselves. They're in medically induced comas. They can't even pray for themselves. Bible said, pray for your brother. If you see your brother has an ox, it's falling in the ditch and he can't get it out, what are you supposed to do? Walk by and be like, Good luck, buddy? No, pick the ox up and help him get it out the ditch. I'm not trying to proselyte. I'm not trying to get 500 people to come to our church because we're some great situation in terms and we pray, miracles happen, that's all well and good, but it's not about getting credit. I want Pastor Paul to get out of the hospital. So he can go back to his church, feed his congregation, grow his church. And if they grow to be 6,000 people and build a metropolis, life giver, campus, I want to be able to say, yeah, and we got to pray for that guy. He came out of the hospital and we had it. We invested in making sure he still had the ability to do what God called him to do. Now, 5,000 people. Follow. Pastor, he's got 5,000 people coming now. We still only got 50. So what? We prayed that God would touch him and he did. So we invested. So as we pray, this is what I want us to do. It's our also call prayer before Brother Andy. Praise our benediction. I want us to pray for these people. That's somebody's daddy. Somebody's husband. For people like Sister Hodges, that's somebody's mama. Somebody's grandmama. Somebody's spiritual mother and grandmother. For Pastor Williams and Sister Williams, yeah, they're mother and somebody's mother and somebody's father. But they're also somebody's shepherd, somebody's giver of bread, somebody's pastor, somebody's spiritual advisor. Whatever word you want to call it, it's somebody's somebody. Can I tell you, we all are God's somebodies. We all belong to God. Father, to the very best of my ability, as I will pick up the rest of this next week on Sunday night, I may lack things in my own ability, and I might be limited in my own strength, but you lack nothing, and you're not limited. I can't go to hospitals. I can't fix COVID. I can't mend broken homes, broken marriages. I can't fix wayward children. I can't fix people in the hours of depression and distresses. I can offer advice, but I can't fix it. I can't walk into hospital rooms and speak to COVID patients, people with pneumonia, people that are in intubated states. I can't speak to them and fix it, but I serve a God who can. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than all my mountains, bigger than all my fears, bigger than all my giants, bigger than all the COVID. Bigger than all marriages, bigger than all church dynamics, bigger than all pneumonias, bigger than all cancer, bigger than all drugs and alcohol, bigger than prostitution, bigger than wayward children, bigger than imploding homes, bigger than financial crisis bigger than it all. God is bigger. You are bigger than it all. And when we walk out of this place, God, we can know we can we can't do it, but we can do it all. Because you give us the strength to do it. God, Paul Garrett needs a touch today. Velma Hodges needs a touch today. Benny and Doris Williams need a touch today. Kathy Altman needs a touch today. Bonnie Gunn needs a touch today. Sybil and Gil Imran need a touch today. Jamie and Christina's Coker family with her dad needs a touch today. April Craven traveling home from her extended Kansas needs a touch today with her family and with Chris. God Brandon and others that are getting ready to start a new adventure, they need the protection, the outstretched arms of God to lead and guide and make his pathway clear. They need a touch today. Former shepherd and pastor of this house, Pastor R, physical help is not what it used to be. He needs a touch today. Sister R needs a touch today. God, men and women that come Sundays to this church and are faithful and they sit in these pews, they need a touch today. People like. Robert Chambers, God, that's having a procedure on Thursday. He needs a touch today from a procedure he's got to have. Brenda Frierson, God, needs a touch today in her body. Dizzy spells and weakness and falling around and fumbling at the knees. She needs a touch. Stan Frierson needs a touch god louise james needs a touch because of her health concerns patty and herself god pastor mike james still suffering from the effects of a stroke still needs a touch today mary and james needs guidance because of a job situation Pandemonium! This is—he needs a touch and guidance from God as he's right now standing at his line of post of duty at the assembly line of his plant. He needs to hear from God right now, right now. What the thus saith the word of the Lord? He needs to know God's plan right now. He needs a touch today. God, Faye Huff needs a touch in a nursing home today. And Barone, who's had church turn, some churches turn their back on her and leave her there to die alone. Needs a touch today. Jimmy Villanueva still needs a touch from falling out of a tree stand. God, people like Ann Krauss are sick in body. Would love to be at church, but can't. They need a touch. People like Sister Patricia Lambert that has been battling allergies and been battling different things that have kind of taken her, her strength a little bit and kind of made her feel a little weak at times. God, they need they need restoration in terms of, of giving them breath in their lungs and helping them to be rejuvenated and revived in energy. They need touches today. Dale Clark needs relief today from pain to try to avoid surgery. Needs relief. Yes, I understand medicine can work. But God, you're bigger than medicine. You are the great physician. You can heal it. Brendan Burbage is a prime example. God, you're a healer. You can do it. You can do it. God, Ray Godin needs a touch today with his spine and vertebrae. God, there are men and women under the sound of my voice that need touch today. People watching online, people in house and people that are connected to this house of worship. They need a touch today. Today. God, and I'm sure there are many other requests I've missed. (laughs) But even when I am limited and not even able to remember all of the needs, you know them all before I even mention them out of the mouth that I speak out of. God I pray you let the words of my mouth and this church the words of our mouths and meditations of our heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight O Lord our rock and our redeemer God may you bless us and keep us and your face shine upon us be gracious to us lift up your countenance upon us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding God our hearts until you come again be with us God till you bring us back at the next appointed time, whether it is at Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for Bible study or next Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for worship. Whenever you allow us to gather together in this house, let it be with an expectation and an anticipation that the glory of God, the presence of God and the power of God will reign down supreme and we will feel a touch from glory like we have never felt before. Let us know you have walked in the building when we get here. God I commit all these requests and things into your hand and I submit them and forever settle them at the throne room of heaven I love you God God I thank you that you offer us spiritual COVID not physical COVID but God you offer us spiritual COVID Christ over viruses, illness and diseases But God, even more than that, you offer victory in times of distress. Christ offers victory in distress. And Lord, as we stay in a mindset of worship and prayer, God, I pass the baton of prayer to Brother Randy Urchberger to pray our benedictory prayer. And as he concludes this service, God, even though he may pray a final prayer of benediction over this body, let us take you with us. Don't leave you here, but let us take you with us. In Jesus' name, Brother Urchberger.